Friends, welcome back to another episode of Being and Making Disciples. So glad to be with you here. This is just a solo with me, Dan Boyd. If you were hoping for Justin, then you'll just have to wait another week. So what we're talking about today is probably one of my favorite things to talk about, the story of Jesus. The technical term for this is the kerygma. And there's a lot of reasons why I want to talk with this uh, talk with you about this. But one of the simplest reasons is this is the heart of evangelization. This is what it means to evangelize. Literally, that's even it's in the words of a papal document. To evangelize is to tell the story about Jesus. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized I'm actually not that comfortable or I wasn't that comfortable with the story of Jesus. If people asked me why I was Catholic, I would give all sorts of reasons. And those were all good reasons. So it might be apostolic authority. It might be the succession of the popes. It might be the Eucharist. And all of those things are true. Those are those are reasons why I'm Catholic. But the fundamental reason, what we, what we really get back to is the story of Jesus. That's why we are Catholic. And this is something that I think we should uh, make sure that our children are super familiar with so that when they're faced as adults with this question, why are you Catholic? Why do you believe in Jesus? They can give this beautiful, compelling answer that St. Peter tells us, always have a reason ready for the, the hope that is within you. This is the reason for the hope that is within us. And we're going to get into the details of this story for you to see in a moment. But I want to turn first to the the book of Acts. And this is a a lens or kind of a, it's like a, a window into how the first Christians lived. You've probably heard me mention before Acts chapter 2, verse uh, probably 42 through 47, where we see a description of the first Christian community. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see things that are normative for us in understanding how we should live as followers of Jesus Christ, because these were the people who knew Jesus best. And so they put into action what they saw him doing. It wasn't just what they thought was a good idea. They did what he did. So the first Christians just told people the story of Jesus. And we see this in Acts chapter two, right after the Holy Spirit depend, descends upon the apostles at Pentecost, they go out and Peter in relatively simple language tells people the story of Jesus and just says, you put this man to death, but God, the father raised him up in him in Jesus is forgiveness for our sins. And we see right there, thousands of people were converted. So when Jesus told his followers to make disciples, they did this by telling his story. And I think there's great wisdom in this for us. We should return to this method to, to share and tell people who Jesus is. We even see Jesus doing this after the resurrection. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who were downcast. They thought Jesus had failed. And he had to explain to them all of salvation history. And he says, even, did you not understand that the Messiah must suffer and die? And it was only after that that they were able to understand the fullness of the, the story of Jesus. So from, you could say, really, we, we need to make sure we include something about why God created us, what he created us for, what happened with that first promise, what happened with the people that he revealed himself to, why did Jesus come? And then ultimately, what happened? What was the, the culmination of Jesus's earthly ministry? That's the, his death and resurrection. And there's power in that story. We see that. Um, 
in Peter's preaching at Pentecost, as well as in various stories throughout the, the book of Acts, where we see people who are converted just by the story of Jesus. So from really from the beginning to the end. So I, I mentioned Acts chapter two, that's 14 through 36. Um, you, there's a couple other passages you can look through here. So another one would be Acts 3, 12 through 26, Acts 4, 8 through 12, Acts 5, 29 through 23, Acts 10, 34 through 43. Those are all instances of Peter proclaiming in some way, either long or short, the basic story of Jesus, the Kerygma. And then here's three of, of St. Paul sharing the story of Jesus. These are a little bit more uh, intricate, especially the last one, because he has to enculturate the language for the Greek people. So that's Acts 13, 16 through 41, Acts 14, 15 through 17, and Acts 17, 22 through 31. And that last one, so, so cool. I mean, I, just as I said, um, there's power in the story of Jesus. We see in the early parts of Acts, lots of people converting in Acts 17, 22 through 31. We see St. Paul speaking in the Areopagus in Athens. And this is the, it's a cultural intellectual hub. And there are people who just because they hear this story, they convert. So there's, there's a couple, one who's very famous, Dionysius, the Areopagite. Um, and then there's somebody else who's mentioned as well. And then uh, the book of Acts tells us that other people tell St. Paul, we, we want to hear more about this guy. We're going to come back and we will hear of this again. So we're often tempted to have very elaborate arguments. Maybe we want to start with um, like proofs for the existence of God or uh, different philosophical arguments, or we might want to really tell people about Mary. Or we might really want to tell people about different miracles. We might really want to tell people about the Eucharist and all of these things are good. Um, but I think we should be very, very comfortable and we need to give preference to the story of Jesus because there's power in that story. So why, why is it important for every Catholic to know this? First, as I said, there's power in the story of Jesus. And uh, I don't want to say that in like a, a superstitious way, but just to remember that this is like, who is it ultimately that saves people? Who is it that converts and changes people's hearts? The Lord it is the Holy Spirit who gives us new life, who converts our hearts, who can, who can draw us closer to the Father. And I, I think there's good reason. I know there's good reason to trust in the story of Jesus. And it, I think this is one of those times where we can say, okay, I'm going to lean not on my own understanding. I'm not going to try to move forward with human wisdom and designs, but I'm going to trust in the simplicity of the gospel, that the story of Jesus has power to save. And the, the church encourages us to do this. So even going back to Pope Paul VI and Evangelii Nunciandi, so this was encyclical, I think came out in the, the I want to say 1971, uh, could be a little earlier than that. But in paragraph 22, he says, there is no true evangelization if the name, the teaching, the life, the promises, the kingdom, and the mystery of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, are not proclaimed. Now, of course, in, in every elevator conversation, you're not going to have time to talk about all of those things. Um, but the idea is this is what it means to evangelize, to share the story of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. So we can still use all of these other persuasive arguments, these things that might be pre-evangelization, kind of tilling the soil. Uh, but we shouldn't be afraid of just telling people the story of Jesus. You know, we, we might think, well, this person doesn't believe in God. Well, how likely are they to, to change their mind 
in one sitting just because you have a brilliant argument. In my experience, it takes people a lot longer as they wrestle with those things and turn them over in their mind. But there's something about hearing about Jesus of Nazareth, even his name, that I find does something to people. And it makes them consider deeply, you know, maybe there's maybe there's more than I thought. Maybe there's more to reality than just what I see. And maybe just the story of Jesus would help them consider the possibility that God is real. So, um, as I said, the, the church has encouraged us to do this. We go back to Paul VI, and then even in present day, Pope Francis has encouraged us to be familiar with the story of Jesus, especially in some of the, the guiding documents for this, like the directory for catechesis that calls the, the kerygma, or the story of Jesus, the, you know, the, the primary, or the prime, it has a, has a certain primacy and fundamental nature in sharing the story of Jesus. And not in the sense that it's it's just we share it once and then we're done with it, but everything refers back to this. I mean, the, the Eucharist is a part of this story. The church is a part of this story. Everything is a part of this basic story of Jesus. And I think if you've ever known people who have kind of gotten lost in the, the weeds of theology, I think one reason is that they have forgotten the story of Jesus. They might get so focused and caught up in this aspect of theology or that aspect of philosophy, or even within movements in the church. I think you can see this, uh, especially when people become very involved politically and they start to, to align more with political ideals than with the gospel. And this happens when people, rather than focusing on the story of Jesus, they instead think, oh, you know what, what we really need is we really need this sort of secular help, or if we only fix this problem, then the world's going to be a lot better. And there, that's a, it's a very tempting myth to go down that road and think that by human means, we can solve our problems rather than with Jesus. And not to say that we don't work to fix lots of, of evils, but it's the Lord who, who does the converting. And remember, we're, we're talking about human hearts here. That's the source of, of a lot of evil in the world. And the solution to that is not better arguments and better politics. The solution is Jesus. And so the better we get at sharing the story of Jesus, the more comfortable we are with this, the more fluid, the more confident, the more people are going to respond to us positively, especially within our own family. So how do we do this? I want to share a resource with you. A couple months back, we had Marcel Lejeune, who is the founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples on the show. And he has a great resource on his website, which is catholicmissionarydisciples.com. You can uh, go to uh, slash catholicmissionarydisciples.com slash news um, slash the content of actually the link is too complicated. Just Google Catholic Missionary Disciples story of Jesus or Kerygma, K-E-R-Y-G-M-A, and you will find this. And he's got several different examples and, and can help walk you through here. Um, but I am just going to share some of this here. He lists a couple different formulations here. I, my go-to is uh, kind of the four elements B that he has here. And so it's just very simple. One, God made us for relationship with him. Two, we sinned and then broke the relationship we were intended to have. Three, Jesus, who is God and man, came to heal that relationship through sacrificing his life, rising again, and giving us the church. Four, we have the opportunity to respond by choosing to have Jesus be our Lord and Savior, by being baptized, I'm adding this here, being baptized, by receiving the sacraments, receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, going to confession, and being confirmed 
that is how uh, we respond and enter into new life with God. So those four elements, God made us for relationship with him. That's called the good news. The bad news is we sinned and ruptured that relationship. The good news or the better news is that the father sent his son, Jesus Christ, who took on our flesh to fix that relationship. And he did that by preaching the kingdom of God, sacrificing his life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, establishing the church and sending us the Holy Spirit so that we could respond and have new life in him as his followers in the church. So you might think, well, like, is it, is, is that really that, uh, is that really that special? And the answer is yes, because that in a nutshell captures the reason why humanity needs Jesus. It gets to the heart of why God sent his son, why the father sent his son, and that's to restore the broken relationship. He created us to be united with him, to share his love. We have all rejected that in some way by sin, and we can't get ourselves out of that mess. So in order to get us out of that mess, the father sent the son to redeem us, and it is through his life, death, and resurrection that we have access to that new life. And uh, I would, I'll, I'll pause here and just think for a moment, if I would have asked you 10, 15 minutes ago, why are you Catholic? What answer would you have given? Would it have been something like that? Or would it have been something more along the lines of, well, because my parents raised me that way, or that's what my, my grandparents were and I really respected them, or I became Catholic when I got married because I, I needed to, or because my spouse asked, asked me to or because my kids were being raised Catholic and I thought, hey, it's probably a good idea. Uh, none of those are, are bad reasons to be Catholic, but fundamentally, the most important reason is the kerygma. Now, there's some other formulations of this, and I would encourage you, go check out this website so that you can become very familiar with this story. And the reason I say that is at some point, somebody's going to ask you why you're Catholic. And the answer to that question is actually also the answer to the question why they should be Catholic as well. And we want them to know that this is a deliberate choice, that this is not an accident. We're not Catholic for the same reason that we're Minnesota Vikings fans or Florida Gators fans. We're Catholic for the, 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 the best reason. And it's because it's the deepest truth that God created us for relationship with him we've turned away from him, but he was not satisfied to leave us in that broken relationship. So he sent his son to redeem us. That is the good news. That's what we all want to share with people. So what can we do with this? We can practice it. So the my invitation to you is to go to this website or find just another Catholic source for practicing the kerygma and begin to practice this and rehearse it. Rehearse it on your own first. So maybe give yourself a couple days um, or even just one day. I mean, just go read these these four elements. It's very simple and practice it. And then uh, once you feel comfortable with that, find a friend that you trust who you can practice this with and, and kind of share it with them and say, hey, I've been sh uh, thinking about the story of Jesus and I'd really love to practice sharing it with you so you can tell me how it can be better at this. And just don't stop. We can always get better at refining and, and having a more beautiful explanation of our faith. And I think this is when theology really starts to, to make sense. I had a, a professor when I was studying theology who used to say, uh, 
the the purpose of theology is to help make sense of scripture. And if I could refine that even more, I would say the purpose of theology is to help us make sense of the kerygma, the core story of Jesus. So all of those beautiful books out there, they're to help us proclaim the story to other people so that it can make sense to them so that they can choose to follow Jesus. There's, it's good to, to have knowledge of the faith just to, to ponder the goodness of God. But while we're here, we have a job description. And that job description is to tell people about Jesus so that they can fall in love with him, be forgiven by him, and have new life with him. So um, those are the steps to sharing the kerygma. And uh, I, I really, really encourage you, get comfortable with it. Uh, have this really like, know it like the back of your hand so that it's easy to pull this out you know, whether you're sitting on a plane, riding up an elevator, somebody says, hey, why are you Catholic? Or a family member, anybody who says, why are you Catholic? If you if you proclaim this to them, and you look them right in the eye without breaking eye contact, you don't miss a beat, and you deliver this powerful message of why you're Catholic, that is going to do something to people. And there's power in this because we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Son of God and what he did. How could that not have power? So friends, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Being and Making Disciples. If you have not yet signed up for our newsletter, I invite you to do that. You can head over to beingandmakingdisciples.com to sign up. And if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, I'd encourage you to do that too. And check out the book that Justin and I wrote called Go Make Disciples. It's available on Amazon as a print book and Kindle. So Hope you check those out, subscribe to both the podcast and the newsletter, and we look forward to being with you in the next episode. As always, count on our prayers for you, for your family members, and for your intentions. God bless you so much, and can't wait till the next time.